Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. In your heart, how do you answer this question? How is your prayer life? I know as a follower of Jesus Christ, you pray. But isn't it the case? Most of us struggle in our prayer life. We're going to listen to the very words of Jesus as he's going to teach you how to pray. Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe. For followers of Christ, prayer is an essential part of our relationship with God. And yet so many people struggle with prayer, what to pray, how to pray, or whether or not our prayers will be heard at all. Today, we're continuing our study of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and discovering how to pray the Lord's way. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe with today's message. In our continuing study of the Sermon on the Mount, we saw last time the context of what we call the Lord's Prayer. We're learning to pray the Lord's way. We're to pray to our Heavenly Father, and that is a tremendous privilege and part of having a personal relationship of love. This gives us great confidence and security as we draw near to our Father who is in heaven. If we're not careful, our prayers are often more about ourselves than God. So Jesus is giving us helpful guidance. Notice that the Lord's Prayer, given as an example to us, begins not with our needs, but is God-centered. Remember this as you pray. Well, let's continue to learn from the Master Teacher as he gives us great instruction on how to pray. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount and we come to Matthew chapter 6 and I'm going to read from Matthew 6 verses 9 through 15. Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 15. Now, as we think of the particulars of the prayer, I want to say, first of all, the prayer is not all about you. There are six requests. The first three are that God's name be hallowed, that God's kingdom come, that God's will be done. Notice how God-centered it is. Let's think, first of all, then, of verse 9. Here's the first request. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's the first request. That God's name be holy. It is true. I have a loving and secure relationship with God my Father who is in heaven. That is true. Ah, but he's in heaven. And that relationship should never ever lead to over-familiarity, but rather should result in humility and reverence. I don't know how you spoke to your father, 
Uh, my father was called Thomas or Tom. I didn't come up to my dad and say, well, how you doing, man? Uh, how are you today, Tom? No, I wasn't taught like that. This is my father, dad. There's love, there's security, ah, but there's respect. I'm told from Scripture to honor my father and mother. Children are told to obey their parents. No, I come with respect. And certainly, when I come to my father in heaven, yes, I marvel at his grace in adopting me into his family, but that does not lead to overfamiliarity. He is God, and his name is to be reverenced. You say, what does it mean by name? Well, name is the sum of all of the nature and attributes of God. He's the sovereign, eternal, gracious God, and he's our Father. So that means I come when I'm praying to God with joy, with, with confidence, with security. That's true. Ah, but I also come with reverence. You realize that you've, we've come to worship God. Yes, with joy, yes, with celebration, but also with focus, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I fear, brothers and sisters, that we've largely lost that. The fear of the Lord, says Proverbs, is the beginning of wisdom. Hebrews 12, 28, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What's next? Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to pray for God's kingdom and for God's will to be done. This is a prayer, your kingdom come. Isn't that magnificent? You pray for God's kingdom to come. This is a prayer for God's kingdom to come to earth, for the glory and majesty of the kingdom of God to be manifested. We've learned that with the coming of Jesus the King, the kingdom of heaven in one sense has already come, but its full might and glory and power is not manifested. People look at Jesus and many of them reject him. Yes, but one great day, I trust very, very soon, our Savior will return. And we pray, we pray for that day when Jesus shall reign throughout all of the world, that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Habakkuk says, for the earth, as he thinks of that great day, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. People are asking today, and in a sense, rightly so, they're asking for justice and peace. We all want that, don't we? There is coming a day when the wars will cease. There is coming a day when there will be perfect justice, perfect peace throughout all the world as the Prince of Peace, our Lord Jesus Christ, comes. Yes, we want peace now in our society, and certainly we should do all we can to promote that. But we know our first priority as followers of Jesus is to seek first God's kingdom and his Righteousness. That's the unshakable kingdom. And then says Jesus, here's the third request, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you pray that? Prayer, this is so important, 
is not trying to get God to join your team. It's not making your plans and saying, this is what I want to do, and then God, you help me to achieve my, my plans. I have my dreams, uh, and, and Jesus is going to help me achieve my dreams. You got it all wrong. You got it turned right upside down. That's not the prayer here. The prayer is this Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God is not a genie in a bottle who's there to bless your plans, to grant your requests. Putting it bluntly, it's not your kingdom, it's God's kingdom. And in grace, if you're saved, you're part of that kingdom, and God has plans and purposes for you, and surely you believe that God's plans and God's purposes are wiser and better and totally suited to who you are as an individual because God knows the past, the present, the future. He knows your personality. He knows your capability. He knows what's going to happen 50 years from now. And therefore, in your prayer, saying, yes, Lord, I sense this is what I want to do, but your will be done. Don't you rejoice that God is in control? Not you. Your will be done. That was the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, wasn't it? Not my will, but yours be done. That's a wise prayer, isn't it? You know, this, the amazing thing is that when we humble ourselves before God, his will becomes our will, and God blesses us. Remember, God's your father. God seeks the best for you. He's not some kind of killjoy saying, oh, you want to do that? No, you can't. I'm going to make it difficult for you. No. He's going to guide you in the paths of righteousness. So these first requests are for the glory of God, your name be hallowed, for the reign of God, your kingdom come, and for the will of God, not my will, but yours be done. Now the three requests for our needs. There are three specific requests here for our bread, for our debts, and for our temptation. First of all, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread, a prayer for material provision. God wants you to express your needs to him. Even, according to verse 8, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Of course he does. He's wiser than you. But he still wants you to ask. That shows a submission. That shows a surrender to his will. Uh, if you're a parent, uh, you love when your children come and ask you for good things. And you love to grant that request. And this request is for our daily bread. Not bread for a month, but for today. Remember when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, God gave them bread from heaven. Every day. Twice one day, so they didn't have to get it on the Sabbath. Every day, it was there. That's it. Lord, this day, give me my daily bread. At the time of Jesus, workers were as they worked, would be paid at the end of the, the, the day. So this made sense to them. Most of us are, are paid maybe every month or every two weeks, but people then were paid every day. And when you think of it in the world today, there are people who are living hand to mouth. They, they feel they've had a good day if they're able to eat and if they've got a shelter over their head. Our forefathers, think of your grandparents or your great-grandparents or your great-great-grandparents, perhaps coming to this country. Give us this day our daily bread. 
See, we, we take it all for granted, don't we? That's not what Jesus wants. He wants a humility. He wants you to live a life. Here's the point. He wants you to live a life daily depending on him. A day when you're not to worry about tomorrow. We'll see that next week. Just for today. Uh, today, I have food. Today, I have a house to live in. Uh, today, there are people around me who love me. And to, to acknowledge, and this is difficult for us in this very materialistic society, to acknowledge when you do this that everything you have, yes, the very bread that you eat, the, bre the bed that you sleep on, the roof over your head, Everything you have comes from God. And we are to live a life. And this is difficult for us, but this is what Jesus wants, of daily depending on the Lord. And isn't it the case that even in our materialistic world, there are things every day that we need God to help for? Give me this day my daily bread. Is God able to do it? Yes. He used the ravens to feed Elijah. Remember the widow in the first Kings King 17 at Zarephath? Uh, the widow, she had a little cruise of oil and of flour and it never ran out. God fed her supernaturally. You may be a widow with very, very little and you're, and you're worrying about tomorrow. Don't do that. Give me this day, my daily bread. Spurgeon describes the contrast between the man who comes home from his work sits down at the table, gives thanks for his food, and then looks up and says, do we have to eat this old mutton again? He's English, right? Thinking, oh, you know, we've had this yesterday and the day before. Have I, have I, got, have I got to eat this old, stale sheep once again? Spurgeon contrasts that with a man who comes home and finds a couple of herring. Herring again, that's fish, beautiful fish and two or three potatoes on the table, he bows his head and says, I love this, oh God, I praise thee that thou hast ransacked sea and land to find this beautiful meal. Do you ever think where it comes from? God's providing us, give me this day of daily bread. You know, little children never worry about their breakfast, do they? A baby never worries about what college she's going to. No, pour out your request for your material provision, yes, what should I do today? Bring that to the Lord. He provides strength for today, as we sometimes sing, bright, ho bright hope for tomorrow. Lamentations 3, his compassions, his mercies are new, what? Every morning. Grace your faith. You, wake, you woke up this morning? What a beautiful day. God's compassion, God's mercy are new every morning. Give me this day, Lord, my daily bread, and be thankful for it. I hope you give thanks to God for your food. Now, here's the other request. Verse 12, a prayer for forgiveness. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We have to say, first of all, we don't earn God's forgiveness by forgiving others. Forgiveness is not a reward. We don't get into heaven because I've forgiven you and you've forgiven me. That's not the point. Notice what he says. Forgive us our debt. Because here and elsewhere in Scripture, our sins are sometimes pictured as a debt. 
We know what it is to be in debt. Here are all the bills and they're piled up one on top of another and on top of another. Our, our sins are pictures as debts. We've, we've broken God's law and there's this tremendous, tremendous pile of debt. And as we look at it, we realize we could never, ever, ever pay this ourselves. We could never atone uh, for this. No, says Jesus, you can't. You're a sinful man. You're a sin sinful young woman. But I'm going to take all of your debt and I'm going to put it on myself. And at the cross of Calvary, as we heard in that song, he stood in our stead. He stood in our place. Uh, the, the debt of sin that John Monroe had accumulated is, is placed on the blessed Savior, my Lord Jesus Christ. He has died for me and I have trusted him and my sin is gone and the debt has been repaid 100%, totally God. And now, says Jesus, you understand forgiveness. I've forgiven your sins. Now I want you to forgive others their debts. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Yes, my sins are gone, but every day of, of your life you sin. And so you, you need cleansing. You, you need to be cleansed from the defilement of, of sin in your thoughts and your words and your deeds every day. So pray for forgiveness and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sin. And now you're in the family. This is forgiveness within the family, not to get into the family. Forgiveness is at the very heart of the gospel. Who here doesn't like to be forgiven? Now says Jesus in verses 14 and 15, if, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. See, if you're unforgiving, it's not that you lose your salvation. Jesus is talking to those who are in the family of God. But if I don't forgive others, my heavenly Father is going to discipline me. And it's going to impact my fellowship with him and the blessings that he has for me. And therefore, when people offend me, I'm to forgive them. I'm to be kind and forgiven. Tender-hearted, just in God, in Christ, has forgiven you. Now there's a last one, verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. People struggle with this. Uh, two or three years ago, the Pope struggled with it and, and said it really should be translated, do not let us fall into temptation. Well, that's not what the text says. The text says, lead us not into temptation. It's true, God never tempts us. Satan tempts us. And certainly we don't want to fall into temptation. We want to be kept as far away from sin as we can. So how do we understand this? I think Matthew 4 verse 1 will help. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. It wasn't God that tempted them there. It was the devil. Leading into temptation is not the same as tempting. You see, we have a very cunning enemy, don't we, who wants to stop us from following Jesus. This is a wonderful prayer for students leaving town. 
It's a wonderful prayer for those of you who travel and you're away from the normal restraints of home in a situation where no one knows you. Make sure you pray this today, Lord. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Probably from the evil one referring to the devil. So live humbly and ask each day for God's protection. Today, you may face a very, very fierce temptation. Lord, when I'm tempted to go down a wrong path, this prayer of protection should be on my lips and my heart. You're off at college and someone invites you to one of these crazy parties. You, you know people are going to get drunk. You know there's going to be immorality. And, but, but still, there's something within you that is drawn to that. Pray this prayer. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. You know, the Lord will answer that prayer. A Puritan said, either praying will make you leave off sinning or sinning will make you leave off praying. Now, some manuscripts conclude with the great doxology of praise and glory and blessing to God. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's probably not found in the best manuscripts, but certainly it presents biblical truth because God has all power and glory. Are you praying this way? Will you pray the Lord's Prayer with me? We have it here. You're at home. Can you pray out loud with your family? You're, you're, you're alone at home. Just pray this with me. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's the way to pray. Have a time to pray. Have a place to pray. And if you don't know God as your Father, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who took your sin on the cross, who's risen. Ask him to come into your heart. Call out to him to save you. And each day, at least once a day, pray. Not necessarily these same words, no, but this is a model. This will help us. And remember, this, this is so important, that when you pray to God, you're praying to your Father in heaven. You're listening to The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe and a message titled, Praying the Lord's Way. To revisit or share this message with a friend, just go to our website at theverdict.org. Before we get to John's closing remarks, I'd like to tell you about the special free resource we're offering to go along with our current study. It's a booklet from John that will take you deeper into the lessons we're studying from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This companion booklet is packed with insightful notes and practical advice to help you follow the instructions Jesus gave His followers. The booklet is titled Life in the Kingdom. And you can request your free copy today by going online to theverdict.org. And as we look ahead to all that God has in store for this Bible teaching ministry, we want to invite you to be a part of this gospel work. With your financial gift of any amount, you'll be supporting our efforts to bring the truth of God's Word into new communities across the globe. To make a one-time gift today or set up a recurring donation every month, just go to theverdict.org or set up your donation over the phone by calling 
551-2231. You can also send a check in the mail by writing to The Verdict, Care of Calvary Church, 5801 Pineville Matthews Road, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. And no matter what your schedule looks like or where you go, you can always take these messages with you by subscribing to The Verdict Podcast through your podcast app. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe. Well, what's your verdict? Do you know God is your Heavenly Father? If you have received God's forgiveness and His love in your heart by trusting in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you can have this intimate relationship with God. He is my Heavenly Father. And so I can pray with confidence in every situation. Take time to pray. Have a plan to pray. Pray the Lord's way. We continue our study on the Sermon on the Mount next time as we think of the importance of our treasure and our trust. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.